0: Hey guys, it's Eva and I'm here with another episode of currently binging the podcast about all things TV and movies. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Hit that subscribe button or whatever platform you're listening to my voice on. Also, take a few extra seconds. Great comment. All greatly appreciated. Couldn't even go any further without saying happy new year. It's 2021. You made it through. I am like... <laughs> You know, you guys know my stance on this. Like, yeah, it's 2021. I mean, not really expecting big, great changes immediately, but at least we can say that the shitstorm that was 2020 is in our rearview mirror officially. And this is the first episode of the new year. I thought, you know... (laughs) Since everyone's so much in anticipation for the new year starting, what better way to start it off than on dropping a special episode on the actual new year day? And what else better way to open up the new year than with a drama around love, which is like, Eva, what is going on? This is not really normally, I mean, this is normally what I would talk about, but like, <laughs> is this really how we're going to kick off the year? They say, how you start the year? Usually, somehow, comes full circle by the end of the year. So we shall see how this year all plays out. But we are discussing the very much an- not anticipated because it's already out, very much talked about, <laughs> brand new series from Shonda Land, Shonda Rhimes, um company, and her like first project releasing from Shonda Land on Netflix. Bridget. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about this name because. I had said it in um, the episode, like the final episode of 2020. I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about Bridgerton. But then in watching it, because it's based in like 19th century London, I I came to learn that there are some letters that we just don't pronounce. And so everyone's like, Bridgerton, <laughs> which seems so weird to me looking at it. And you guys know my whole thing with like hearing something and then you see it on paper. and You're like, but is that really how you're supposed to say it? So anyway... We're discussing Bridgerton. (laughs) I might just say Bridgerton because I feel, or maybe, I don't know, maybe my weird accent will make it sound correct. But um, we are discussing this show. I'm actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say like I'm excited to talk about it and we'll get into like everything about it. Um, I did mention in previous episode or in the previous episode where I like mentioned one to talk about this, that I have been putting it off and part of the reason (laughs) part of the reason is the normal reasons of why I've been putting some particular genres off and watching in shows but the other reason was that when I saw the trailer I was like oh my gosh I feel like I know like how this is all going to play out because it just seems like a very familiar story mind you going into this and I should say let's let's just put this all out in the beginning so while like this is from Land, and like she has an EP and she's an EP on this show. This is actually from creator Chris Van Dusen and um, is based on the Bridgerton family novels by Julia Quinn. So this is where my warnings come in. <laughs> this is a podcast about um, like TV shows and movies. So of course, I'm going to spoil those things, but there's also a chance that I will spoil any other thing that could be related to this show so this is based on books while I have not read any of these books didn't even know this existed before the show um if I had then there would be the potential for me to spoil it and that just comes with how this show works so if you just do not like to be spoiled on anything or you have problems with that then I would suggest that you in the episode now I will not be offended clearly I will not. Also, this is my true, honest opinion. Um, this is not going to be a super highbrow, high level, um, conversation. We're going to jump all around. We're not going to go in a linear kind of direction. So I can talk about one thing, jump to something else and come back. That was just the way that these things roll. So hopefully you'll stick through it. And yeah, so going back. So when I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh my gosh, this, like this, just from the trailer, I was like, this story just seems familiar, where you have two different people who people want two two different things from them. So they decide to fool everyone and come together. But in faux pretenses, it's like, oh, we're not really in love, but we're going to act like we're in love. And then they eventually fall in love and they go through some kind of trial and tribulation. And then by the end of it, like everything's all squared away, good and dandy. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. And maybe because... This because twenty twenty was so um volatile in the way that it disrupted everyone's lives, generally Christmas time I am like, Oh, I have the Christmas spirit, but it's not like that. But I did watch a lot of like the Christmas lifetime movies. And so I think that a whole like cycle of a love story thing may have also just been fresh on my mind. I was just like, Oh, I just don't wanna watch this. So this dropped on Christmas Day. It was in the top ten. I mean, so Christmas Day has only been a week because this this is New Year's Day, but it was has been um bouncing between the top two spots in the top ten. I am going to tell you like this is a little secret. I this is dumb recording this prior to New Year's Day, but this day that I checked the um the top ten, this was number one. So I was like, okay. Eight episodes. Originally, I was like, "Oh my gosh, is this ten episodes?" I don't know why I'm struggling with ten episodes, but I'm starting to find that ten episodes still may be too many for some of these shows because there's still room to do a lot of things that are not necessary when we're talking about storylines. But thankfully, this was only eight episodes. So I was like, "Okay, eight episodes, and we're set in like 19th century London," which I, you guys know, I love me a good time period piece. I love to see how they do the costuming and the set pieces and just like the whole, how everyone gets into characters and just how believable it can be. I love all that about um, period pieces. So I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. Set in 1813, clearly, immediately, I was like, even from the cover, we know that the Duke is black and the, um, which I don't think she really has a title, but she's like, and we're also in... Like at this time, there's the caste system. So it's like based on like the level of where you are in life and all that stuff. And so also, I feel like coming fresh off of the crown, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't And they still kind of have some of that stuff going on today where it's like, I don't really remember like all the different levels, all the different titles. It's just whatever. I know her brother is a viscount, And so then I don't know how that correlates to the rest of the family and what the women are called. But essentially because she marries the Duke, um, she becomes a Duchess, which I should probably give you guys their name. So we have um, Daphne who we're focusing on she is a the oldest girl in the bridgerton family and then we also have um the duke whose name is simon (laughs) and he has is essentially like only child super horrible grew up the way he grew up was super horrible. His father pretty much just him because he wanted perfection. So, of course, he has all these residual things from how his whole upbringing. So, you have two very different people one in the way that they were raised, but also in their races. So, knowing we're going into 19th century London and knowing immediately that this is going to be a diverse cast, I'm already expecting people to be up in arms. It's even more so because. It is based on books and you know, when things are based on something, you have that cult following and they're like, this is not how it is in the book and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know. I've talked about this in Nauseam. I feel like because I do read a lot of things and... One of the things that I enjoy is when a book that I read gets turned into a TV show or a movie because I like to see how they translate that on the screen. And I've always talked about this, like books are just so detailed and there's so much in the books that there is no way that you can, there is no way you can realistically transform a book to screen verbatim or close to verbatim because there's just so much extra stuff in there that is just not necessary to be seen on screen so you have to rework the story in a way to make it work for the screen and a lot of time that means getting rid of like parts in the book that you may have enjoyed or reworking some of the characters in the books that you may have enjoyed and that's I think is just Something that you have to take in stride knowing that something is based off of a book. So when I see those complaints, I'm just like, (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. But I also knew there would be complaints because... Of the time period that we're based in, I mean, clearly racism is still a thing today. But even then, there were there weren't there wasn't any like interracial mixing, which I feel like that sounds so <laughs> weird to say, but there wasn't this interracial like mixing and mingling things like that because you all while you had like the the class system or the caste system or whatever I feel like they called it the caste system whatever, and then you also had like this racial divide, and so again this is TV. And the great thing about TV is that, and the thing that I love about TV and movies, is that we can reimagine a story to be however we want it to be. And so, I don't know, I think to sit on and be like, this is not accurate to the history of things. Like, that's why this is TV. That's why we have this liberty and um, ability to be able to expound on and reimagine things the way that we think that they should have gone or could have gone um, and yeah I'm just going to leave it on that so I honestly you're never going to hear me come on here and complain I don't care if it's set in 19th century London or it's set in 2085 in the future or it's like some superhero show where it's based on a comic and they changed the gender or the race of the comic like I don't fucking care <laughs> I really don't. As long as the story works and it makes sense and you can keep me intrigued, you can make all the changes that you want to make the show, to make the show work. And that's, that's just how I feel on it. So anyway, I felt like I went on a little bit of a tangent, but that just irritates me, especially now, just everything that we have fucking went through in this past year. And people are still like nitpicking over things that just, this is a fucking TV show. It's a fucking TV show. So anyway, that means (laughs) that let's get into this. So if you're new, then I generally like, I love the binge format. I can sit, I can watch something from beginning to end in one sitting and have no problems with it. But because I do binge a lot of things and because if you're going to tell, I have a lot of things running around in my head that I want to say. So I'm always jumping around. I have to take notes on things that I binge because it's just like one sit through And so I did take some notes. I didn't take notes on every episode. I think there were a couple episodes that I didn't. And we're going to get into this because you're going to see kind of some of (laughs) the, while overall it was an entertaining show and and I actually surprisingly enjoyed it, there were some things that I just really was like, (laughs) this is why it is a struggle for me to like, watch these shows or even want to, not even watch them, but want to discuss them because I don't know. We're just going to get into it. So (laughs) we're introduced to the Bridgertons. They're this cute family. They are, um, essentially like this is the season where I don't even know how this whole thing works. So if I botch this apologies, but essentially when the girls come of age, I'm assuming it's like, I don't know. I'm assuming it's got to be between like 16 to 18 because some of these girls look young, even though like in real life, they're, they're I'm sure older, but some of these girls look super young. So I'm assuming, and also knowing the time they married, they married or women married really, really young. So I'm assuming the coming of age season is like, 16 to 18, something along those lines. And so there's this whole season where they essentially get trotted out by their moms (laughs) and um, essentially waiting on male callers to eventually be able to marry off their daughter. All just super... When you think about the world today and the world then, that's why I'm always like, God knew what time in the world to put me because... (laughs) I don't think I ever, I don't think I would have survived long in any time prior to me being alive right now. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so I was like super, very much sexist. That was another thing I was seeing a lot of people coming in on like, oh, you can change diversity, but you still want to keep it super sexist. Then you shouldn't have based it on these novels. You should have made up. Like, <laughs> there's only so much you could do. I feel like changing someone's gender and kind of reworking it a little bit because they do mention when, um. You have, uh, what's his name? Simon and, La- and Lady Danbury. They had like a brief conversation where she was like trying to convince him to like take his, his courting of Daphne seriously where she um is like, essentially look what happened with the queen. And it was because one of them actually married one of us and then it like elevated everyone. So they do kind of like, Mention it even though they don't go super deep into it, but you also do still see some of those things. I think throughout, like you saw what I feel like, and I don't know if other people got this because it wasn't super blatant, but I felt it with you see Mariana. I even saw it when you talk about the Duke versus the um, the gross guy. What was his name, Ligburn? What (laughs) Nigel something? I don't know. Everyone had weird names, but the old guy that um, Anthony or Anthony. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh it's like anthony but they're saying anthony i guess whatever the old guy that he initially had promised um daphne to uh and you kind of saw that in their exchanges when they were under the tunnel so there were still some racial undertones happening in this even though they're even though essentially it was to it was a diverse interracial cat or cast, and and there was interracial mixing. I just hate saying interracial mixing. I feel like that sounds weird for some reason. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the one thing I do want to know before I get too far in and I forget is the classical renditions of some of our favorite pop songs. I was like, wait a minute. I think that that was what kept kept me the most entertained. Especially the first episode, because it was kind of boring, not going to lie. There were some boring, slow moments throughout this entire thing. But the first episode to me was just like, oh, it's like whatever. I was just, I felt like I was going through the motions of watching a show. But once I heard them playing that classical rendition of um, Ariana Grande's Thank You, Next. I was like, wait a minute. Because if you guys didn't know in my free time when I just want to chill out, I will put on a piano playlist and I can just have that on all day. And it's a complete vibe. But I was like, wait a minute. I literally had to go into Apple music and find the, the playlist of all of the classical renditions of these pop songs. And the fact that they can make um, In My Blood by Shawn Mendes, which is a song about depression. (laughs) sound like a love song. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So yeah, that was one of my personal highlights from this season. And I just had to make sure I mentioned that. But anyway, so we're introduced to them. Um, and we see like essentially because of her brother, that Daphne is not getting all the, I mean, the queen pretty much put her out there, up-leveled her, put her blessing on her. It was like, Daphne is the girl of the season. And so she should have had like lines and lines of collars. I've gotten guy- callers of guys. I feel like it's weird also to call them collars, cuz just like, <laughs> whatever. But she should have lines and lines and lines of collars with guys trying to um take her hand in marriage. But her brother was just being overpowering and... Um, essentially blocking everything, which you saw a lot of, like, what's the word? You saw a lot of hypocrisy because he's the older son. He should be married by now. Um, He's supposed to be the head of the Bridgerton family because their father passed away. And he's trying to play this role while not also owning Owning and stepping into the ro- into the role that he should have been by this time as the older as the oldest son, which I love that whole scene when um his mom, which let me make sure because I feel like everyone was like a lady or a um a lady or Duke or whatever, so I feel like they never really said their first names, but Lady Bridgerton or Lady Violet Bridgerton. When, um, she got him together, I was like, yes, mama, get him (laughs) together. And pretty much was like, you're blocking your sister. This is all in episode one. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're blocking your sister from like essentially doing what she's supposed to be doing while you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you want to claim that you're the head of the the household. And she essentially like... (laughs) got him together, and then stepped into the role as mom. And I was just like, yes. Because one thing that this whole thing shows, even though like this is like a reimagination, so obviously what didn't really happen at this time, it took a long time before a woman can even get the rights that we have today. And we still don't even have all the rights legally that we should be having. But anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. But (laughs) I think the one thing that this show highlighted is just the amount and it kind of makes me think of The Wilds cuz I know I kind of was frustrated with the reasoning behind why of, and I'm not going to spoil it for those who have not watched The Wilds but the reasoning behind why we were doing things cuz there's like feminine feminist undertones in that show or not even undertones it's just is a lot of feminism if you will in that show and I feel like this is kind of like a feminist view of like 19th century London in a way Um, Because while this is essentially about the Bridgetons, we are doing it from the view mostly of Daphne, but we also have her sister, who is Philippa, which Philippa, Philippa, y'all know, I be, I be trying to put accents on things that don't be needing accents, (laughs) So whatever, but, um, who was like very headstrong, very much like, I want to be my own woman. I don't want to go through a season of having men like call after me and marry me. Like, I don't want that life. I want to be my own person. So you do have a lot of that going on. And I think that's what makes, at least if you are, I think, and it also makes me think of the crown a little bit too, in the relationship between Queen Elizabeth and, um, Oh my gosh, what's her sister's name? It escaped, It is escaping me right now. But you guys know who I'm talking about and kind of like their dynamic. And I was kind of, I was getting a lot of crown symbolisms while watching this, especially like between the sisters, Um, Ant- Anthony's whole story was giving me Prince Charles vibes with the whole Camilla and Diana thing, even though there wasn't really a Diana, thankfully. So it's kind of like he can go on a different path, which we are to assume when we start to talk about Possible Season 2, that is what is what we're going to focus on. But um, it was just a lot of correlations between that. And I thought that was super interesting because while all this is going on, we have this season going on, we have this like... And I, you guys are probably going to hate me, but I honestly just don't want to spend a lot of time on... Even though that's basically what this whole season was about, which is Daphne and Simon's story. I just cannot like... <laughs> spend so much time conversing about that just because that whole storyline to me is not new and everything worked out the way that I thought it would work out. And a lot of this was based on like child trauma on Simon's end and then naivety and just, which I think the one thing this did highlight was that, okay, this is what I'm going to say about this because I did make a note and And my takeaways for this show is that the issue for me with these type of shows is it's so exhausting to watch because you know where it's going, you know where it's leading up to, but you have to get through all of this unnecessary dragged out mess to get to that end result that by the time you get to the end of it, it's just like, like you're exhausting. You're like, I'm, why did I put myself through watching this? It's literally by the the time. We got to episode seven, which was Oceans Apart. I was just like, I can't take another I can't take another episode of this. And that whole episode was essentially about them like <laughs> being their own worlds. And like clearly you two love each other. And it's way deeper than some fucking vow or some Whatever it is that you guys want to say it is, I'm sorry. I know I'm cursing a lot this episode, but this, this also like this whole thing just frustrates me because it's just like, you want to just go through the screen and be like, slap them both across the face. And I literally wrote down, they need to have a proper talk. I don't understand why they're skirting around the issues. They're not really talking to each other. And when they first got married, and this is what I say when I'm like, we're going to jump around because we just essentially jumped all the way. Because I don't feel like there's really a need to talk about like the whole courting and whatever like that. We're just going to get to the whole marriage part. Um, But they needed to have a proper talk. That whole episode, um, what was that? Episode six, Swish, during their honeymoon period, which I mean, if you're, I don't even want to say if you're familiar with Shonda, Shonda Rhimes shows because there is a lot of sex in those like I'm thinking about. Uh, um, I was about to say a land. I'm thinking about a scandal or how to get away with murder like they always had pretty intense sex scenes but now you are on Netflix so you have em- even more liberties with the sex scenes but and I kind of talked about this a little bit in tiny pretty things but that was a whole different conversation because you're talking about like teenagers which is whatever but even in this Like, yeah, there's taking it far, but it got to the point where I was just like, this is starting to get uncomfortable. Like all the sex scenes in that one episode, it's fine. We're like, well not. And I know I'm, I feel like I'm coming off as like a prude or whatever, but I don't really care usually about it. But I just felt like half of that episode was just them having sex. And it was just, I don't know. It got to the point where I literally had to write down this starting to get uncomfortable because it was just. It got to a point where it's just too much. And I watch a lot of TV and sex scenes usually generally don't have an effect on me, but I don't know why lately. I just feel like we're overstuffing the shows with the sex scenes and not really giving any like, you could argue the case that we're not giving any depth to anything else because a lot of it is just getting into, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but I was just like, it's too much. And I feel like they still didn't really have a conversation. Clearly, like he's upset at her because he was like, I told you that I would never give you children. And she's upset at him because she's like, no, you said you couldn't have children. Not that you wouldn't have children. But then I'm like, one, you're both to blame. He's to blame because he should have known (laughs) from the get go, from the jump, how much she did not know about life outside of her little bubble of the home that she lived in based on that conversation that they had. Also, no one ever says sex in this, <laughs> if you didn't notice. I was like, would people just say sex? I don't understand why we're not saying sex. Maybe sex didn't exist as a word then. I don't know. But like, no one said sex. And it was always like this like thing that people kind of skirted around the issue with, which, I mean, we're talking about. At this time, everyone's super proper and everything was done in the dark way more than it is today. Like there are still things done in the dark today, but people are very, very more brazen about their sexuality, and their individually, and all that other stuff, which is fine. So I think like when you're looking at this show from a 2020 world view, it can be frustrating to see them like, well, and even the whole conversation with her mom trying to explain to her what was going to happen when um. She after she got married on her wedding night, and I was just like, oh my gosh! And then the girls who were like, well, how did Mariana get pregnant? Was it from cake? Was it from love? Like, I don't know. That whole thing was frustrating to me. But I think that Simon should have known how naive and uneducated she was about the whole idea of sex and what that mean and what that actually means. Even though that's not necessarily his responsibility to teach her. That's her. Parents' roles and role, and in this case, her mom, since her dad is not there, and even at that time, like the fathers wouldn't be the ones to do it, it would be the moms, which is a whole nother thing. So he should have known just by being like, and even when they first have sex, and this is this is why I keep the the um, mature audience rating on <laughs> this podcast because some of these shows just. <laughs> have too much going on in them but even as he like with him while like because at that time there's no condoms so with him doing like the pull out met the pull out um method <laughs> and her just looking in bewilderment and be like oh does that hurt it's like dude that right there is something to be like she doesn't even know and the other thing that i want shows to stop doing is when we know that is going to be a woman's first time and they're like oh the guy's like oh it'll hurt for a moment no, it won't hurt for a moment. <laughs> like The first time, that's a whole nother thing. But like the way that they pick first times, I don't know about anyone else's, but it's not like a hurt in a moment and then like you're cool. No, whatever. Anyway, so all that to say, he should have known. But then also for her, like she wasn't prepared and I... I guess I'm more so blaming him than I'm blaming Daphne about this whole, like, the whole confrontation of why they were even arguing by the end of this anyway, because he has way more world experience than she did, and she didn't really understand, but also she put herself in this predicament because she essentially, yeah, he may have have said he couldn't give her couldn't could he couldn't give her couldn't he couldn't give her children (laughs) can you see how crazy the show is making me he couldn't give her children because but he didn't say like why and so she just took that as he couldn't now he wouldn't and so therefore it still forced the wedding on him and they both went to the wedding like not in that whole thing where they had their first conversation on their wedding night. And she's like, I've been trying to look at you. You wanna look at me. He's like, well, I've been like feeling this type of way. And that was an early sign that they need to have more communication. And I feel like if they just communicated with each other early on, we would have avoided a lot of the things that we had to go through. So that's why I say that these types of shows are just really exhausting for me to watch because I'm just someone who's like, <sighs> honestly, <laughs> like figure it out I don't understand So yeah But we also had all these other side stories So we had everything that was going on with Mariana Her whole story was just tragic She ends up with the Feathertons And Lady Featherton Which we're just gonna call her for now <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I mean I'm assuming Lady means Like head or a woman of the house Whatever So <laughs> Lady Featherton is very much against her coming before she even sees her. Then she sees her and knows she's like going to steal the spotlight from her daughters, but she still doesn't want her there. Then she finds out she's pregnant and they do this whole scheme of trying to get her married off. She lies to her, which I knew that whole letter that she sent from, um, Sir George was, it seems fake. Cause like, she has been waiting for the letter for all this whole time. And then after, after she, um, tells, was it her or was it Penelope? who tells um, Lady Featherton about Sir, Ger- Sir George. <laughs> tells, her, tells her about Sir, oh, I am again, tongue-tied. Tells her about Sir George <laughs> and then all of a sudden this letter shows up. So I was like, okay, this seems a little fishy. And then they were like, oh yeah, it is because they essentially forged it. So her whole story is tragic. Then she tried to um, <laughs> like goop, <laughs> uh, what is it? What is his name? Colin colin into marrying her and we saw like penelope which i was so i was so sad for penelope because i really immediately you could tell from the beginning that penelope was into colin hardcore 100 like you want to talk about high school childhood crushes like that was the epitome so i was like oh i'm thinking like you know maybe we're going to get like a little sub love story between those two but then mariana shows up and I was like okay well and then Colin was interested, this before we found out she's pregnant. I was like, okay, well, you know, I can go for a love story between those two because that could be cute, but then we find out she's pregnant. And so then I was like, well, then maybe he'll go back to Penelope, but he was just gung ho, which is another reason why I was not built for that time because y'all know, I'm like, there is no way we are getting, um, like, I just could not imagine marrying, marrying someone that I didn't know in that short amount of time, like- I could not even, even now today, when people, what I see, I don't know. I don't know. I struggle with that because I'm just like, marriage is a lifetime commitment. And yeah, you're going to learn about each other. You're going to grow with each other. But like, I'm going to need a little bit more information before I make that commitment to you. (laughs) So in that time, I mean... There wasn't really much in the way of like the way that we have a lot today and a lot of other things that we have to consider when we talk about tying yourself to someone for a lifetime. Or I mean, nowadays, you don't have to tie yourself to to them for a lifetime because there is this thing called divorce. But if you do want to tie yourself or go into it with the, with the outcome of you tying yourself to that person until you both die, <laughs> then there's a lot that I would think you would want to consider. I'm just saying. But anyway, so... <laughs> We have that whole thing going on. So it all explodes and falls apart. We, we, You're listening to me talk about this. So you know how it all explodes and falls apart. And um, Colin ends up, well, everyone ends up finding out because Lady Whistledown, which was, who is was our narrator of this entire thing. And I know I talk about narration and how that irritates me. This type of narration surprisingly does not irritate me because it feels like, it doesn't feel like, is someone's introspective like thoughts or is someone like a, a main character's thoughts or like they're thinking back on something is more so has this feeling of this person is highly removed and they feel like an actual narrator. I don't know if that makes sense, but this to me is different than like something that was going on with the Wilds where that whole first episode, how that was narrated, like that irritates me. Or if we were to talk about an Outer Banks and that whole first episode narration, like that irritates me because it more so feels like someone's in their thoughts and they're talking to you like, hey, my name is so-and-so and this is my life. Like, I don't know. I don't like that <laughs> at all. But this narration feels a little bit more authentic and it feels like an actual narrator who's removed from the everyday like goings on of the story. So Lady Whistledown is like, the narrator of this and she has this publication that goes out which is essentially a gossip (laughs) a gossip column and there is a mystery you guys know I love to solve a mystery and so the main mystery in this is I mean the main and only mystery in the show is who is Lady Whistledown and so that is kind of what um Philippa is or not Philippa Oh my gosh. Did I call her Philippa? Eloise. Go back when I called Eloise Philippa. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Cause I feel like I didn't really hear anyone say Philippa, but <laughs> Eloise is Daphne's. This is also a thing when there's so many different characters and everyone's names, whatever. So <laughs> Eloise, um, is tasked with not only she, she's super headstrong and all that other stuff that I said earlier when I said Philippa was actually about Eloise. She is also trying to find out who Lady Whistledown is because essentially she felt like she feels like she has this freedom and she is essentially changing things for women. And so I don't know why, but at some point in this, in watching this when she's trying to figure out who it is and she's like, goes to the servants, her, um, mom's, which I don't even know if they call her, her mama. (laughs) She goes to her mom's, um, what are they called? They're not called lady helpers, but the personal like helper of her mom. I can't think of the actual name right now, but when she goes to her and, kind of interrogates her while well, she gets caught snooping through her room. And then she's like, you're Lady Whistledown. She's like, I don't have the time to be Lady Whistledown. And she's like, oh, then it must be like someone who's divorced. And I started to think that, and I shit you not, I started to think that there was a chance that it was Penelope because some of the things, like some of the stories that were coming out just, had certain information in it that it just seemed like who else could it be if not one of the girls as in Eloise or Penelope. And so when that story broke about um, Mariana being present, being president, being pregnant and trying to um, dupe Colin and run off with him. And no one knew that they were running off. They made that whole decision in a private conversation. And I was watching all the private conversations like a hawk because, like, that, that was the honestly, this Who Was Lady Wilson Down was the thing that was keeping me through watching this because I was watching every private conversation to see what was said, to see what made it into the paper the next day because that whole scene between Daphne and Simon. Um, where they're at one of the balls earlier on in the season and they're looking at the paintings and they're in the room on their own and they're all talking about like, oh, how we're we're pretty much pulling the wool over Lady Whistledown's eyes. I was like, I feel like y'all talking a little bit too loud. Anyone could be listening in the background. And then the whole garden scene situation when um, they were in the garden and they got caught, but we know that it was was only the one girl (laughs) who saw them was waiting for that to come out on the paper. So there were moments where I was waiting to see what actually would be released in the paper so that I can try to tie it back to someone. And this was the, this was the case where I was like, this only logically ties back to one person. So that's why I was confused where I should probably tell you the why. So Mariana and Colin had that conversation after they, um after they, Colin shocked <laughs> the society with his news of wanting to marry Mariana. His family clearly was not here for it. And so you saw Penelope struggling with what she should do. And Mariana was like, oh, you can't tell anyone. She's like, I would never do this to my family. And so you never really hear anything come out. And then you had that whole moment where they were at the dinner. And then Colin went, I don't know where he went, but he left the room because... Penelope's sisters, which is the actual Philippa and uh, Prudence are horribly playing piano and singing and I would be like, oh my gosh like scratching my ears and eyes out, but he left the room and then Penelope left the room after him and she's trying to talk to him and she's like which, bless her heart but if someone was to tell me like oh this person you wanted to marry like was madly in love with someone before they even met you that to me is not a case to be like, oh, well, then I'm not going to marry them. So, I mean, bless her heart, she tried. But <laughs> I think that was kind of like more so the breaking, the, the crack, if you will, before the breaking point. And then Mariana comes out, Penelope goes off, and then Mariana and Colin have their, their private conversation about running off to, I think, Sweden to get married. I can't remember where they said they were going, but essentially they had to cross a cross border to get married since they would not be able to legally get married without getting a license. And there was no reason for them to rush getting the license. But Mariana is trying to rush it because she's like, at this point, we're to assume a couple months maybe pregnant and she wants to get married before she starts showing so that she can be like, "Up, oh, it's Colin's child, even though it's really not. And so then... Penelope goes into Mariana's room after that conversation and she's talking about and Penelope is still trying to get her to like back down not marry him all this other stuff you guys watch it you guys know what happened and she was essentially like that's when Mariana that's when Mariana tells um, Penelope their plans to run off and get married. And then the next day, essentially, because they were running off the next day, then in the next day, as they're preparing to run off, then it's in the papers about um, Mariana and the Feathertons essentially trying to dupe Colin and the Bridgetons into this union, knowing that she had been pregnant. And they even said that she had been pregnant as soon as she arrived To, which I don't even remember what this place is called, (laughs) right? To their town. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. And then immediately after that, we see Penelope and Eloise having that conversation. And so at first I was like, okay, that information could have only come in, could have only come in, could have only came from Penelope. So initially I was like, okay, did she like send that in to Lady Whistledown? Or... Is she Lady Whistledown? And I was trying to go through the like, because I don't know what it would take at that time to get something printed in the papers. So I was like, does she have the resources to be able to print what seems like daily or it seems daily to me, but at some point it seems, I think it's just dependent on what she had gossip or not but does she have the resources to be able to consistently print this in the paper so that was kind of what i was struggling with so then when Eloise is tasked by the queen and then the task is taken away with finding out who is lady Whistledown and she goes and she finds out about her brother and Eloise and like she has that moment of like omg when they're in the carriage and you see those couple of flashbacks and she's like showing, um, which I can't remember her name, but the seamstress is, is like, yeah, if you pretty much, if you cross, I would hate to cross her because like essentially if you on her bad side, like she's going to put that all in the paper or whatever. And so I thought at that moment it was clicking for Eloise that it was Penelope. But then when she was like, oh no, it's the seamstress. I was like, what? And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess, but it still doesn't make sense how she would know about Mariana being pregnant. Yeah, you can say she's a seamstress and she's like, oh, you're getting a little thick <laughs> or a little like, because she like made a comment about her when she was measuring her. And she seemed to have some type of a knowledge that seemed to pass through her eyes as she was doing and having that conversation with like, with Lady Featherstone. But I was just like, I don't know. I don't know, and then I just didn't feel like that was a strong enough case. So in the end, and then even more so when Eloise goes to the um, printers to warn Lady Whistledown that it's a setup. And they don't show who is in the carriage. I was like, "There's no way that this is the seamstress." And so then, in the end, when we find out that Penelope actually is the one who is Lady Whistledown. I was like, "That makes sense." So <laughs> clearly, I was way more intrigued by that storyline than I was anything else. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that um I wanted to talk about. I mean, no, not really. Um, there were some things. That whole duel. N- nonsense frustrated me the whole concept of a duel to me is idiotic but the whole premise around this specific duel just was nutcase to me and the fact that Simon was ready to die <laughs> on this was just I don't know I struggle with that whole duel what else uh... I think that's it on the main things so let's talk about possible season two we don't have an official word on if we're getting in season two. Um, this is Netflix. <laughs> so it's going to be a while before we even know. Also, this is a little bit off track. But as I was sitting on Netflix, I was trying to find something to watch after this finished. And I was just going through the Netflix originals and seeing the things that are like, get excited. Season two, another season is coming. Just more so like boiled my blood on the fact that the society was renewed and then canceled and they have no intentions of bringing that show back. It's just so frustrating. And I don't know, that just frustrated me. I know. I feel like this is the second episode in a row where I am <laughs> talking about how upset I am about the society not coming back. But I was really looking forward to a second season of that show. But anyway, possible season two of Bridget, of is it Bridgerton's or the? Brid- it's just Bridgerton, <laughs> second season of Bridgerton. So it'll probably be a while before we know. I'm assuming we are going to get a second season, um, just based on <laughs> who this came from and the reception. For the most part, at least when I look at like my personal social media, is very positive. When I go into like an IMDb, which I always tell people when you go and actually read the comments of IMDb, like take them with a grain of salt because usually, and that's with any reviews, usually people who leave reviews are the ones who have the most negative things to say, which I think is so weird. Like you will take the effort, more of an effort to leave a negative view than to leave a positive review. I don't know. But anyway, so I would take it with a grain of salt. But like the perception that I'm seeing in like my personal um, social media timelines versus like, an imdb or something like that completely different but also the articles around the show have for the most part been pretty positive and the reception overall seems to be pretty positive so i am expecting there to be a season two um so that would mean like they would probably go into production in like the spring if we are i don't know because it took forever for them to tell us we were getting another umbrella academy season like way longer than i thought it would take i thought it would take like maybe a couple of weeks but it took a few months for them to be like oh we're gonna give you a season three of umbrella academy so you never know but either way and that could also have to do with like negotiations and stuff like that because um some shows I'm assuming, especially because you are not guaranteed another season, some of them might have contracts that are just like season by season. I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) But (laughs) so if we do get a season two, which I'm assuming we are going to, I am assuming we are going to go along the lines of the novels. When I tried to look up the books of this, I was getting frustrated. So I just stopped. But it seems to be a lot of books and it seems to be the books are based on an individual Bridgerton child's love story, which makes sense. I mean, I used to, use, I used to read a lot of, um, romantic fiction novels in my young life. So I've gotten tied into, um, those types of series where was, I more so read them from like black authors because I don't know, I felt, I felt those seem to be a little more, um, interesting most notably brenda jackson i loved me some brenda jackson um but uh yeah so that makes sense to me as far as like how that's set up and how like each individual book would be based on a bridgerton child so then i am to assume that which i just cannot imagine because there are eight kids they got a lot of kids i just cannot imagine eight seasons of this (laughs) But I mean, I couldn't imagine that Grey's Anatomy will still be on TV, but it is. So you never really know. I wouldn't be opposed to like combining some of these kids' stories into one season, and not just and not giving them a full season to kind of marry whoever they're going to marry. Because at the end of the day, by the time we got to the end of this, the only per- people or the only child Bridgerton child that actually got married was Daphne and. A this is apparently based on the Duke and I novel from the series, and so Antony was like, "I'm going off." He's finally made the decision that he's going to marry, but it's not going to be for love. After this whole entanglement with the opera singer ended the way that it ended, and so like Daphne and Simon had this look, and we're like, oh, you think he's going to learn?" Like, like inside kind of joke thing and then it was like oh we'll see so we're to assume that the next season would be around his story and i'm assuming it's going to be along i mean i told you guys i read i i read romance novels as a kid so genu g- how it works is essentially how it worked in this season where there's a conflict <laughs> And they struggle through that conflict, but by the end of it, everyone's all hunky-dory and whatever hunky-dory looks like. So I don't know, but the novel Anthony's story is in is The Fist Count Who Loved Me. So sounds like a love story to me. <laughs> it sounds like we're going to end with love to me. So I don't know. Also, I was reading something and... um the showrunner, Chris Van Dusen, was like he would like to kind of keep it along the lines of the novel where you kind of like reveal each Bridgerton child's love story. I don't know. I didn't really talk about chemistry because I've saw I've seen people talk about the chemistry between them. I thought Daphne and Simon had chemistry. I will say like... <laughs> Apparently, I've seen things I'm not even going to try because I, I just do not want to mess up his name because <laughs> I didn't look at, up how to say it, how to say it or how to pronounce it. And again, when you look at something, you hear something that could be two completely different things. But the actor who played Simon Bassett, I was like, I mean, he is cute. Actually, I feel like if you looked at all the guys in this, he was probably like <laughs> number one. <laughs> But I mean, also some of them had like these wigs on, these sideburns. And so it just was hard to tell. And then when you actually go and you look at the actor's photo, you're like, oh my gosh, was actually really cute. (laughs) So (laughs) there is that. But I think they had chemistry and I think they were able to like portray that, um, what's it called? The struggle, but the love that they have for each other. So I don't know. I thought there was chemistry there. I was just like. Yeah, we're not going to go back into that. But anyway, so um, that's what I'm assuming the sex seasons will be, second season will be around. Apparently, the little bee that we saw at the end... Because I was like, why do we keep seeing this bee? I don't understand. I don't even feel like we talked about bees. I feel, There was one reference about a bee earlier in the season. Didn't really pay attention to it because it sounded like it was talking about a story of someone. And that was that. And then all of a sudden, at the end, we get this bee flying around the window. And so apparently... That was an Easter egg for the readers of the no- the readers of these novels. And essentially hinted that hinted to the fact that the next season, if we are to get a season two, would be around Anthony's story. So there's that. What I do want to see, I mean, a lot of shit went down by the end of it. The Feathertons the whole life essentially blew up, blew up um, with everything that happened with their father. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of, um, go into a next season. We know the queen was dealing with, um, what's his name? The king. Oh my gosh. Why can I not think of the king's name at this moment? But is it King George? Yeah. King George Third. which I was like, I would have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure was King George the third, the one... One of them went like batshit crazy. And I'm assuming this is, is him. And so I'm assuming that we're going to see more of that in this next season. Because we saw a little bit of it. But I mean, again, it's called Bridgeton. So there's only so much we're going to see of some of these like flanked side characters. <laughs> so, and I, and I can see how and why you will want to see more from them. And feel like you didn't really get a lot of character development from them. But there's just... It's such a large cast that it's just going to be way too hard to... Like, they're going to have to pick a focus and the focus is going to have to be whoever the Bridgerton child is and their love interest for the most part, but then have these like side stories like we have with like Mariana and Eloise, which I think they did a good job of, but I kind of wanted to see more from... Eloise, I think we got a little bit more as we like ramped towards the end, but we know like her mom essentially was like, well, you don't have to come out this next season. If you're not ready, like, I'll give you that time. I'm honestly most interested in seeing Eloise's story. (laughs) Like, I don't even really care about any of the other kids because I know at, I'm assuming Eloise at some point is going to find love in her own Eloise way. But I feel like that would be a more interesting story to me than another one of these like struggle moments that we had with, (laughs) I was about to call her Stephanie, with Daphne and Simon, because I just literally cannot. But if we do get a second season, I will be back to talk about it because why would I not? I don't think this put me off of being like, I would never watch any more of the seasons because like I said, overall, I enjoyed it. I went into this personally, knowing that these types of stories and shows are exhausting for me. So that's why I want to make sure that I like explained that in the beginning so you can kind of know what my standpoint is on it. But at the end of the day, I thought it was enjoyable. Another thing I struggle with with these types of stories is it's like, because it's so, it's, one, it's about love, but the situations around love is so unrealistic. Some of them are realistic, but some of them, it kind of puts this like, fantasy like shimmer across what love could be. And it doesn't really translate to the real world. And that's another thing that I struggle with, with, with why I don't really watch a lot of those types of things. I will watch the drama ones, but like the rom-com ones. I literally cannot. But anyway, that's a whole nother, other topic. But at the end of the day, if we get a second season, I will be back to discuss it. And I just want to know right now what you guys thought about this first season of Bridgerton. Um, if you were a reader... Did this meet, exceed, or like not meet your expectations? Uh, And if you're not a reader, did you enjoy it? Would you want to see a second season? Let me know all of those things and I will talk to you guys in the next episode that's the end of the episode thanks for sticking to it to the end be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at currently on instagram and at current twitter also hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcast on and i'll talk to you in the next one